Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, good morning church. Isn't it great to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, why don't we stand together as God's family? We're here to worship the Lord. Amen. We're here to worship the Lord. Amen. Come on, why don't we just open this service in prayer. I just encourage you, close your eyes. If you feel comfortable to lift your hands to the Lord as we, yeah, just dedicate this time to the Lord right now. Father, we just want to declare right now that we belong to you. God, we want to say that we are here to worship you, Lord Jesus. There's no other agenda. There's no other scheduling, Lord God, other than to worship you, Jesus, to lift up the name above all names, to exalt you, Lord Jesus. We don't worship a church. We don't worship a religion. We don't do this out of... uh, ritualistic things, Lord God, but we're here to dedicate our time, to put aside time in our week to say, God, you deserve all our praise. You deserve all our worship, Lord God. And we want to give you it all here today. God, as we worship you, would you come with your presence? Would you come with your spirit? Come and fill this place. Come and touch our lives, touch our families, Lord God. Protect us, Lord God, from the evil one, Lord God. We belong to you. We want to declare that here today. And we want to worship you with everything that we have. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, come on, let's worship the Lord together. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, worship team. Amen. So good to be in church and so good to worship the Lord. And so good to have you all you guys here uh, this morning as we dive into the Word of God. It's so good to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. Something very powerful Uh, about the church and uh, um, I just pray that God would speak to all of us here today. I want to continue to encourage you to even just pray uh, for me. Uh, How many people know I need a bit of prayer? Come on, amen, amen. Yeah, yeah, okay, you don't have to agree with that. Uh, But I I do covet your prayers. Um, What happens here on a Sunday morning, a lot of stuff happens during the week and uh, I always want to be able to deliver the Word of God and I want to be able to hear from God and deliver the Word of God and that's going to happen um, on a cup for a couple of reasons it's going to happen and I'll tell you what the two are number one it's going to happen because I'm praying and crying out to God I can assure you I don't ever just take the Word of God for granted I, 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 I don't ever take what I do here on a Sunday morning for granted I'm praying and hearing trying to hear the Lord what do you want to say to your people I can assure you that's my week and I'm, I'm wrestling with the Word. I, you know, there's thou, hundreds of thousands of sermons. We're living in an age where you go onto Google, mate, and, um, and you can just push a button and have thousands of sermons. Now, you've even got AI that can write the sermon for you. I mean, you just put in a couple of words in there. I want to preach a sermon on Barrett. I did it, by the way. Not today's sermon. That's next week's. Um, put a couple of things in AI and spit, it spits out a sermon. And I'll tell you... Uh, uh, Pastor Google, he's not bad. <laughs> he's not bad. Um, so I'm praying. I'm praying. But the other thing that's going to ensure that God speaks to all of us is that we're hungry to hear the Word of God. And you're praying. You're praying. Say, God, speak to me. Do something in my life. And pray for me. Pray for me. We need your prayer. Leonard and I need your prayers. Um, because we always want to be 
uh, doing what God is calling us to do and always want to be uh, have the mind of the Lord for the church. Can I hear an amen? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. Just a couple of verses and then we're going to dive into the Word. The Bible says, this is the words of Hannah. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted what I asked of him. And so, Father, we, as, we, as we dive into the word today, Lord God, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. We just want your mind and your heart and your spirit. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be a spirit of revelation as, as we dive into this word. And I just pray that you would speak to us as individuals and collectively as the church of Jesus Christ. We want to honor you. Bind. Father God, every preconceived idea, Lord God, let, it, let our hearts just be open to hear the voice of the Spirit. Speak to us as individuals, we pray. And I just thank you for what you're going to do today. I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed because of what happens here today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, we're in a series entitled Breaking Spiritual Barrenness. And last week we said that one of the things God calls each of us to is fruitfulness and effectiveness. As individuals and churches, we all want the blessing of God upon our lives. God promises that to us. We spoke about that last week. Um, and uh, we all want to see spiritual fruit and growth and influence. And that is the will of God for your life and for my life. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one, happy is the one. Who's, who, who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Uh, it actually says, verse 1, who doesn't walk in the way of sinners or, or sit in the seat of scoffers and mockers and all the rest of it. And what he's saying, there are some things you don't do and there are some things that you do do. And some of the things that we do do, they delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. Meditates there is not, mm, you know, it's not that kind of meditation. It's thinking about chewing over the word of God. Um, and who doesn't just read the Word, but chews over the Word of God. Because the Word of, the word of God is powerful. Um, you know, I, what I love about God's Word is, is it actually, it's really simple to understand. In other words, if you read the Word, you'll actually get something out of it just, just by reading it. But as you dig deeper into the Word of God, there's a deeper message and there's still a deeper message and there's a deeper message again still. Um, so, the more you meditate on it, the more God reveals stuff about His Word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf doesn't wither, whatever they do prospers. That's the will of God for you and for me and for us as a church. Now, the opposite of fruitfulness is barrenness. And barrenness is defined in the dictionary. It's not producing or incapable of producing offspring, unproductive, unfruitful. And in this series, we're not so much speaking about physical barrenness. We are speaking about spiritual barrenness. Spiritual barrenness is a, is a time in our life when we feel unproductive, un, unfruitful, no vision, no direction. When it seems like everyone else is being used by God except us, we can't feel the presence of God. We come to church. The worship is dynamic. You know, uh, there's just a beautiful presence, but we can't hear the voice of the Spirit. It feels like God is a million miles away. If that's you. I want you to know that isn't the will of God for your life. I want you to know that's not the will of God for your life. Jesus said, but this, uh, by, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's the will of God for all of us. And so the question for me is, how do we break spiritual barrenness in our own lives, in the life of the church? 
And so as we look at the scriptures, we find that this theme of barrenness runs right throughout the Bible. In fact, some of the most significant women of the Hebrew race were actually barren, people like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, uh, Elizabeth, and others. And as they worked through their barrenness, their barrenness was broken, uh, and they became fruitful. And God, God did some amazing things in and through their lives. And here are these like seemingly random stories in the Bible about women who were unable to, to get pregnant, about couples who were unable to have children. But embedded in these stories uh, is a deeper meaning. Uh, embedded in these stories is a spiritual meaning. Embedded in these stories is something, a message that is really powerful that I believe God wants to speak to us as individuals and as a church about our own uh, barrenness and how we can break that. You see, as individuals and as a church, we can enjoy the presence of God, enjoy the blessings of God, but we never, we never reproduce. We never produce. We never see people come to faith. If a fruit tree is healthy, it will bear fruit. And if it's not producing fruit, then something's wrong. Amen. And that's true of us as individuals. It's true of us as a church. I've got this olive tree at home. 15 different fruit trees at home I've got. But I got an olive tree. It's a beautiful tree, big, green, amazing. Leaves are amazing. Zero fruit. <laughs> Zero fruit. Last year I hack pruned it because that was once I asked the guru, Pastor Joseph, hack pruned it. Still no fruit this year. Next thing I'm trying at the moment is um, I've got a recording of a chainsaw. <laughs> I'm letting the tree hear the recording of the chainsaw. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's going to motivate the tree to, 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 to do something. But if a tree is healthy, it's going to bear fruit. And if it's not healthy, then if it's not producing fruit, something's wrong. That's true of us. That's true of us as a church. Uh, and and, and I, I pray that we as a church would always bear fruit in the name of Jesus. And I, and, I, and, I, and I said last week that we need to be careful that, that we don't confuse numbers with fruitfulness, that we don't, we don't confuse noise with fruitfulness. These things are not necessarily synonymous. And just like these women who were desperate to have children, we as, we as believers should be desperate to be used by God in some way. Say, God, use us. Lord, we don't want to just bring, you know, we just don't want increase. We want to we bring fruit for the glory of God. See, people come to faith. And these stories in the Bible teach us principles on how barrenness can be broken in our lives. So last week we looked at the story of Rebecca. Today we're going to look at the story of Hannah. And there's so much that we can learn from this one. I love this story of Hannah. Every time I look at this story, every time I read the story, it challenges me. It motivates me. I just feel encouraged, motivated to seek God in a different way. Her experiences are not unlike our experiences. Her pain, not unlike our pain. Her struggles, not unlike our own. And how she dealt with her barrenness has so much to say to us about how to deal with our own. So I just pray that God would speak to us as a church and as individuals about her story, that we would be encouraged in some way. story of Hannah is found in the first two chapters of Samuel. Um, first Samuel, Hannah's husband had two wives, Penina, who could have children, Hannah, who couldn't. And the Bible says year after year, this man went from his hometown to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Feast was a time of celebration to thank God for the provision, the things that God had done. It was for everyone else a time of joy, but not for Hannah. 
For Hannah, it was a terrible time, a reminder of her barrenness and her disgrace. And you can just imagine her dread of going up to Shiloh again this year where she's going to be reminded of all of her pain. And Shiloh, Elkanah, the husband, would honor Penina for all her children, will bless them name by name, but, but not, not for Hannah because she didn't have any. Can you imagine what was going through her mind and her heart? Bible says that Elkanah loved Hannah. And because he saw her sorrow, he would give her a double portion uh, to make her feel better. And every year, uh, Penina, the other, the, other, the other wife, would provoke her until she wept and would not eat. And you can just imagine what Hannah was going through. You can, you can kind of just, just try to you know, imagine the pain and the heartache that she was experiencing. But for Hannah, and this is what I love about her, for Hannah, instead of destroying her, the pain only caused her to press into God in a deeper way. And as a result of her prayer, the prophet Samuel was born, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And so the um, question for us is, what do we learn from her? about how spiritual brokenness can be, can, be, can be broken in our own lives. So spiritual barrenness can be broken in our own lives. There's a few principles I want to kind of draw out of the story that I pray are going to speak to all of us. The first thing the story teaches us is about Shiloh. It's a place of pain and sorrow. Shiloh is a place of pain and sorrow. Hannah's story is, placed, uh, is played out in a place called Shiloh. It's where the people of Israel would go once a year to worship and to sacrifice and to thank God for his many blessings. It was a place where people would thank God for his provision, his favor, for all the things that God had done in their lives. But Shiloh didn't represent that for everyone. It certainly didn't represent that for Hannah. And many of us may feel ourselves like we're in a place of Shiloh, called Shiloh. Shiloh is the place where it seems like God answers the prayers of everyone, but not ours. Shiloh is the place where God is using everyone else except us, where everyone else is fruitful, but not us. Where it feels like God has forgotten us and abandoned us. Shiloh. All of us can find ourselves in a place called Shiloh in different seasons of our lives. Shiloh is the place that reminds us of our barrenness, of our lack of our shame, of our disgrace, of our embarrassment. It's a place that represents brokenness and bitterness and weeping and hurt and pain and grief and and sorrow. It's not a place where we want to go. In fact, it's a place we want to avoid in our lives. But it's interesting because it's in the Shilohs of life, it's in the Shiloh seasons of life where God does some of his greatest work in forming and shaping the human heart. It's in those dark places of life where often God does some of his greatest work in shaping the heart of the human being. So often the setbacks are a setup for what God wants to do. And I I just pray this morning that our perspective of Shiloh would begin to change. All throughout the Bible, we see examples of this. It's Moses in the desert, 40 years, 40 years just chasing sheep around a desert, thinking my life is over, this is meaningless. But God was preparing him for what he was about to do in the next season of his life. And some of you are in a desert season right now and you're thinking my life is over. God may be preparing you for what he's about to do next. Joseph in a prison. He's in a prison cell for what? Doing the right thing. He's in a prison cell. And God was shaping the heart of, uh, the heart of Joseph. Jo- God was shaping the heart of Joseph because as a young 17-year-old, he had a little bit of an issue with pride and arrogance. Gets a dream and he tells his brothers, gets a second dream. Till he knew what the dream was all about. But he tells, he tells his brothers in an arrogant way, God had to deal with him. 
God had to deal, before God could use him, he had to deal with something in his heart. Sometimes God will allow us to end up getting into, the, into, into a prison because he's dealing, he's dealing with something deep in our spirit, deep in our hearts. God was preparing him for what he was about to do. Ruth, the widow, Amen. Her husband dies and, and her, life, her life is... But God was, God was preparing her for what he's about to do next. David on the run, Paul being beaten. What seemed like tragedies and the greatest example of all is Jesus hanging there on a cross. It looked like it was over, looked like it was finished, but, but, but God was doing something right there at the cross. What seemed like tragedies were setups for what God was about to do next. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many. There are some of you here today, you might find yourself in Shiloh today. Some of you are despairing. Some of you are in a place going, oh, this is terrible. And I don't know what to do with all of this. But I just want to encourage you, don't despair. Because it's where God does some of his greatest work. Where God does some of his great. I think back to my life and there's been some dark seasons. Anybody had some dark seasons in their life? Come on. Dark seasons. I don't want to say this too loud because, you know, God might hear me. But as I look back, I think back and I say, they're the best seasons of my life. They did stuff in me. They did stuff in me that could never have been done outside of those situations. And I, and I thank God. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds because they produce something which has eternal value. If we're ever going to be fruitful, we need to come to terms with the place called Shiloh. The second thing the story teaches us is that the enemy will attack us at our weakest point. We get to find out what Penina, the other wife, was like. In verse 6, the Bible says, And because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her, which, by the way, is why you shouldn't have more than one wife. Just putting it out there, you know. Uh, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And the reality is this, all of us have a rival. And it's not a person, it's the enemy that seeks to destroy our soul. The enemy, the enemy seeks to destroy us. When the enemy sees us in a place of weakness, he doesn't say, well, let me back off. Poor guy, poor person, going through a tough time, let me back off. No, that's when the enemy changes gears and comes in with even greater force. The enemy takes advantage of our weakness and comes against us. It's interesting because at the time uh, uh, of, the, of the year where, where uh, uh, the most sacred time of the year where Penina uh, you know, sh should have backed off, um, she comes against Hannah in an even greater way, in a place where there should have been understanding and and, and, and acceptance, uh, a place of worship, uh, she inflicts even more pain on Hannah. Satan always comes against us when we should be enjoying the presence of God. Praying, worshipping, listening to the word of God. He comes and attacks us. Reminding us of our weakness and failures and disappointments. For Hannah, these accusations only strengthened her resolve to seek the face of God. Here's a thought. If the enemy's attacking you, it's because the enemy's threatened. The enemy sees stuff we don't even see. We don't see much in ourselves, but the enemy sees potential in you. So if you see the enemy coming against you, you, can, you, the enemy wants you to react to all of that. That's what the enemy's trying. The enemy's trying to get us to move from our place of dependence on God. 
But if you see the enemy attacking you, just take a step back and say, hmm, maybe God is about to do something in my life. Because God was about to do something in Hannah's life. For Hannah, those accusations just strengthened her. She began to seek the Lord like never before. Maybe like Hannah, you're finding yourself at Shiloh. Maybe you're finding yourself in a place of brokenness. When you were young, you had all these dreams about what your life would look like. Where you had all these expectations, these dreams. But now you're in Shiloh, where all your dreams are shattered. If that's you, I want you to know that Shiloh not only represents discouragement, Shiloh also represents the place where the enemy is defeated and strongholds are broken. That what the enemy is meant for good, God, God, what the enemy is meant for harm, God is going to use for good. I, I just pray, as you read the scriptures, I just pray that those thoughts would be embedded deep in our spirit. Zion says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. You're feeling blind? You feel like you don't know your way ahead? I can't see how I'm going to get out of this. I can't see my way ahead. I can't see a way through this. Have you lost hope for the future? The Bible says, I would lead the blind by ways they have not known. What a great scripture to claim in the presence of God. If you're, if you're feeling like there's no way out of the situation you're in right now, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn their darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. You've got some rough places in your life. I tell you, the God we serve, He's got this way of making the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them, says the Lord Almighty. Shiloh can be a place of discouragement. But listen, this story teaches us that, that Shiloh can also be a place of hope. It's where we meet with God. It's where we find answers to prayer. It's where barrenness becomes fruitfulness. It's where the purposes of God are conceived, where vision is birthed, where prophets are born. It's where God does some of His greatest work. Yes, it can be a place of discouragement, but it can be also a place where God does some of His greatest work in our lives. Shiloh's a place where the enemy can attack us, but it's also a place where we can seek God. And no matter how painful your life may seem, do not lose sight of God. Because God is a God who sees and God is a God who hears. Don't lose sight of God. Apart from God, what have we got? What's plan B? What's option B? Oh, good luck and bad luck. There it is. It's not gonna help us at all. But as we see, our circumstances, from God's perspective, something begins to change. Listen to what the Bible says. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you're called an outcast for whom no one cares. Third principle this story teaches us is that barrenness is broken through prayer. The Bible says, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Rather than give in to helplessness and despair, Hannah used the situation to pray. To seek God. She could easily have stayed away from the place of worship. She could have easily said to her husband, I'm not coming this year. I'm not going to come. I'm going to stay home this year. She could easily have left her husband and said, this is all too hard. I've had enough of all of this. I'm sick and tired of all this rubbish. I'm, I'm, I'm walking. She could have easily done that. She could have easily retaliated to other people. You know, hurt people, hurt people. She could have easily done that. She could have easily started to, to, to you know, just, just uh, uh 
you know, have a go at the other, at the other, at the other wife. <laughs> there's, no, there's no indication in Scripture she became bitter or resentful. She could have easily given up on life and said, what's the point? What's the point of living anymore? What's the point of going on? Might as well give up. Instead, what I love about what about what I love about Hannah is how did she respond to the heartache? How did she respond to the pain? I tell you how she responded to the pain. She begins to pray. One of the most important ways that we can deal with the pain in our lives is cry out to God. Pain is the doorway to freedom. And the freedom is found in the presence of God. Some of us see the painful situations in our life and we avoid them at all cost. The way we deal with, most of us deal with pain is we either blame, oh, it's not my fault, it's his fault, it's her fault, my mother's fault, my father's fault, my boss's fault, blah, 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 blah. We blame, we deny, oh no, there is no pain. What pain? What, what, what pain? I'm not limping. Everything's fine. My leg's fine. You know, uh, there is that we deny it or we medicate the pain. We can medicate pain through drugs and alcohol and some people's sex and, and uh, you know, some people become super spiritual, hyper spiritual, because I'm not allowed to sin, but I become hyper spiritual. It's another way of medicating the pain. Greatest thing that we can do with our pain is not run from it. The greatest thing that we can do is face it and walk through it in the name of Jesus. Because the answer's on the other side. On the, other, on, the, on the other side of the pain is, is freedom and healing. It's through prayer that God gives grace. It's through prayer that God opens the mind and the heart. Healing takes place. Truth is revealed. Wisdom isn't obtained. It's where barrenness is broken. David said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help from his temple. I heard my, uh, he heard my voice and my cry came out before him into his ears. Can I just encourage you? It's prayer. Prayer is simply the language of, of intimacy. It's, it's, it's seeking God. It's crying out to God. The answer for whatever is you, you're going through. You've heard me say this. I think I said it last week as well. Whatever problem you're going through, whatever heartache you're going through, whatever your pain represents, the answer is found in the presence of God. And how do we find it in the presence of God? We pray. We talk to God. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going through this. What, 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 what I love about the psalm, Psalmist David, he never denied the pain that he was going through. He always expressed the reality of what he was going through, but at the same time expressed his hope in God. It's the greatest thing that we can do. Father, you, you know this pain I'm going through. I just got no idea what to do, Lord God. I got no idea what, my, my perspective, listen, this is my perspective and, 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 you know, maybe other theologians would think it differently and so on. They can think what they want. This is how I see it. Uh, I, I believe that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I believe that God is above every circumstance and every situation and everything. That yes, I believe the devil has some power and the devil can come against me and there are some situations that need to be rebuked in the name of Jesus. I get all of that and I'm, I'm certainly, but, but the higher authority is God. So whatever it is I'm going through, uh, I'm saying, yes, the devil might have caused this and maybe the, God has allowed it because I need to rebuke the devil, but ultimately it's God I need to go to. And so I'm gonna go to God. I, 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 in the presence of God, I talk to God. I say, God, I don't know what to do with this situation. I don't know where I'm going through this. Lord, I feel like hopeless. This is dark, Lord God. I just wanna get out of this situation. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I'd fly away and find a place of freedom. But Lord, you, you're my hope. 
You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is no God that is greater than you. There's no little G greater than you, Lord God. You're the, you, you're the, you're the God that has the, where else can we go, oh Lord? You're the only one who has the, the words of life and truth. I don't know what to do, Lord God, but my eyes are upon you. And it, listen to me carefully. It's in that place that God begins to speak. It's in that place that wisdom starts to come. Pastor Joe, I've tried it for a week. Nothing happened. Oh, well, give up. Go, go to plan B. Good luck and bad luck. <laughs> there it is right there. Go back another week. There is no plan B. Either God is the creator, either in the beginning God, or let's do something else. And if in the beginning God is true, then that's where the answers are going to be found. And I, I don't know, I, as you get older, I got, some, I got a little bit of experience. I got a testimony to tell. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has proven himself faithful. This, 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 the word of God is a testimony of the faithfulness of God. It's a witness of the faithfulness of God. Stories are not here by accident. They're here as a testimony to the faithfulness of God. And it may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but God will speak. Job 38 verse 1, and the Lord spoke out of the storm. He will speak out of the storm. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be the day after. But God will speak out of the storm. Stay in the place. Because what the enemy wants you to do is get you out of that place and go to plan B, whatever that is. Stay in the place and watch what God will do. The Bible says that she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Ellie thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Hannah's prayer is a desperate prayer that is so intense. Ellie thinks she's drunk. Her pain found refuge in prayer. And it was this prayer that brought the response. No one could see, but Samuel was being conceived in that prayer. It, it was in that prayer that Samuel was conceived by his grace and for his glory. If we want to see barrenness broken in our lives, we need to see God like never before. We need to get desperate in our prayers. We need to, we need to get desperate in our prayers. I know we hear lots of sermons about, I've been speaking about prayer and I've been talking about raising the heat to prayer. And, you know, if, if there's someone who encourages me, motivates me to pray, it's Hannah, Hannah, Hannah's prayer. We live in a world today that's going crazy. It's crazy. Just when I think it's gone, that's it, can't get any crazier than this, it gets a little bit more crazy. People are calling bad good, good bad. Biblical values are being thrown out. Every sector of society is sanctioning sin. We're living in a world that is turning further and further and further away from God. Now, I know every generation's had its issues, but this one, we seem, we seem to, here was the line. Oh, no, we're not only crossing the line. We're just like. It's 
So the question is, what is the answer to this spiritual barrenness and wilderness in our society? Now, we think things are bad today, but what I love about the background of this story is, is um, Samuel was born at a time, uh, Hannah was praying at a time when Israel had lost the plot. Eli was the priest of the temple. He was the high priest of the temple. And, and his two sons, um, Hophni and Phinehas, great names there, uh, were his two sons. They, they, they were so far away from God, it, 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 was, it was amazing. They, they, would, they would take the best portions of meat. People would come and sacrifice. They were not meant to do that. Uh, they would be sleeping with the women that would come and so on. They had desecrated the temple of God. There was no fear of God whatsoever. Hannah was living at a time not unlike the times that we're living in today. And what did she do? She began to pray. What's the answer to the spiritual barrenness and wilderness in our society today? What is the answer? Is the answer going to be, Pastor Joe, a better sermon, did not bad this week, but better, better, better ramp it up next week? Is, there, is it going to be a sermon that's going to change our society? Is it going to be better music? Wasn't the worship great this morning? These guys are outstanding. They just, I love them. Is that what's going to change it? Is it another program? Tell you what the answer is. It's a church that's praying like never before. I wish it was harder. I wish, I wish it was something else. You know, we, we, we live in a world where, where we have more theologians than ever before. We have more people that can explain the faith better than ever before. But that's not going to do it. What's going to change our society is a church that is praying with such desperation that we look drunk. I don't know about you, but I don't remember ever a time me praying like that. It's a church that's saying, oh God, forgive us of our sins. Move amongst us. We need, you. we need to see your glory. We want to see a manifestation of your spirit. Because it's in there that Samuels are born. It's in there that things are conceived that have the capacity to change the destiny of our nation. There's a movie about to come out. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. There's a movie that's about to come out that... Uh, is a movie about the, Jesus, the, uh, the revival that happened, the Jesus Revolution. Uh, it's going to come out in a few weeks. We're going to see if we can hire a cinema and all go and see it together as a church. It's 50 years since the revival amongst the Jesus movement where God did some amazing things. Chuck Smith was one of the pastors that God used. He was, um, he was pastoring a church that was dead and dying. It was dead. It was finished. Week after week, he'd go... And was about to resign. And all of a sudden, some hippies started coming to church. A few hippies started come walking in. And rather than judge them, he embraced them and loved them. They got saved. And, and the church just turned around. And you'll see it in the movie. You'll see his story there in the movie. And do you know how it all started? It all starts, every revival, the way every revival has started... It starts with a group of people gathering together and saying, the answer is not going to be a better program. It's not going to be another book. It's not going to be, you know, better music. It's not going to be a fancy marketing strategy. It's just going to be the presence of God. And so we're going to come together. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray so desperately. It's going to, if people come in, they're going to think we're drunk. 
We need to pray like the early church that said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, not before they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Fourth thing the story teaches us is that barrenness is broken through consecration to God. She says, I'm going to give him to you, Lord, all the days of his life. Let him be used by you. If we're going to break barrenness, we, 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 we need to deal with pride. <laughs> they need to get to a place where we say, it's not about me, Lord. This is about your glory and your kingdom. And consecrate ourselves to God. I read this morning about uh, Saul, King Saul. God chose him to be the first king of Israel. Saul was the least of the least of the least of the least. I'm the smallest of the smallest clan in the smallest tribe of Benjamin. It's where he started. By the time we get to the chapter that I read this morning, he was building monuments to himself. We always need to be careful that we don't build monuments to ourselves. But ultimately, our prayer is motivated by a desire to see your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not about my glory, it's about his glory. It's not about what we're doing, it's about what you're doing, God. And she consecrates Samuel to the Lord and says, for the rest of his life, he will serve you, Lord God. And because of that, the prayer was answered. As she was praying, Ellie said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And when she began her prayer, she was weeping. But by the time she finished praying, she went away no longer sad. Not because she had the child, because she didn't have the child yet. But she knew that the issue was in God's hands. And early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord. And they went back to the home of Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. What a great scripture. It's an interesting verse and gives us a sense that God had forgotten her. God was busy. Had a lot on his agenda. Forgot about Hannah. Oh, Hannah. And many times it feels like God has forgotten us. Seems like God is so busy with everyone else that he forgets us. God hadn't forgotten Hannah. God was doing a work in her life. Hannah said, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. And because of Hannah's prayer, God sent the greatest prophet of all that Israel ever had to them. I wonder there might be some people here who feel like they're in a place called Shiloh. In a place of hurt, shame, bitterness and emptiness. Shiloh doesn't have to be a place of defeat. It can be a place of victory. Shiloh was not only a place of despair for Hannah. It was also a place of victory. Her testimony can be our testimony. If you're wounded, hurt, in pain, get counselling by all means. Read books by all means. Do all of that stuff. But more than all of that, begin to seek God. Because it's in the place 
of seeking God where God begins to speak and God does some of his greatest work. Your pain can either be your greatest defeat or your greatest victory. And what will determine that is seeking God. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Here's the question for me. What would have happened if Hannah hadn't prayed? Maybe there would have been no Samuel. Maybe Samuel would not have been born. Because she prayed, Samuel was conceived. What would have happened if she hadn't prayed? Who knows what God wants to do with our prayer? Who knows how many Samuels could be born because of prayer? And as we pray, God wants us to receive something that is prophetic and supernatural. That when you receive it, it's going to grow in you. You'll become pregnant with the purposes of God. You'll be filled with a promise and a purpose from God. And if you let it grow in you, it will come through you and bless the world around you. God will use you to bring much fruit for His glory. And that's our prayer above all else, by His grace and for His glory. Will you stand with me? I just wonder there might be some people at Shiloh this morning. Man, you're in pain, anguish. And you could tolerate the pain if you knew that at some point it was, it was, it was going to get better. You, you could tolerate it if you knew that, all right, one more month, one more year, three years and then it's over. But you don't know. And that pain can either be something that draws you away from God or brings you into the presence of God. I just want to pray for you because ultimately what keeps us in the presence of God is the grace of God. Because everything in our body wants to say, let's do something else, let's get out of here. Let's find a place of refuge. So I just want to pray for some people. I want every eye closed, every head bowed. Because there might be some people in Shiloh here this morning. I, I, want, to, I want to acknowledge that. And if that's you, just, just put your hand up and just include. I'm going to pray. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray. Say, yeah, Pastor Joe, just pray for me. I'm, I'm in a place. I've got no idea what this is about. I've got no idea what this is about. I've got no idea where this is going to end up. You can put it straight down again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't see how any good's going to come. I heard your scripture before, but I can't see how any good's going to come out of this. Thank you. I can't see it. I can't see a way through this. I can't see a way out of this. Ultimately, what keeps us in the presence of God is the grace of God. Now, I'm just going to pray that God is going to give you grace to walk through that door. (laughs) To walk through that door of pain. Because freedom is on the other side. Because God's purposes are on the other side. Because the glory of God is on the other side of that. Just pray that God will give you the grace to work through whatever the pain is in your life. Don't run from it, run to it. But don't run to it alone. Run to it with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with God on your side. 
And he'll give you the grace. He'll take you by the hand and help you to walk through. I love the story of the blind man. Um, there's, a, there's a story in Mark about the blind man. And, and uh, the Bible says that Jesus took him by the hand and he walked with him outside of the city. And outside of the city, he, he ministered to him. God wants to take you by the hand. We, we can see with our eyes, but I, I can't see my way ahead. God wants to take, Jesus wants to take you by the hand and guide you to a place of healing. I just pray that that would happen in our lives today. So, Father, I just thank you for your, your word, and I thank you for the principles that are embedded in this simple story, God. Let them become reality in our lives. Let them become a revelation in our hearts. You saw the people with their hands lifted up. Father, that represent pain. And Lord, while that pain is awful and terrible and the question is what good can come out of this pain, as we read your word, what what we find is a simple message, Lord God, that says that what seems like a setback is actually a setup for what you're about to do. So open our eyes to see our circumstances, not from our perspective, but from your perspective. And help us to press into you like never before. Because above all else, Lord God, we want to to see those Samuels conceived. In the name of Jesus. Father, as a church, we we don't want to be a church that has a lot of noise. We're not even impressed with numbers, Lord. We want to bring fruit for the glory of God. Fruit that is going to count for eternity. So use us for your glory, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation this morning.